0: Welcome to the Relief Podcast from the Akron Art Museum, comfort and joy for these uncertain times. My name is Seema Rao. I'm the Deputy Director and Chief Experience Officer at the Akron Art Museum. And hi, everyone. I'm Gina Thomas-McGee, Curator of Education at the Akron Art Museum. So today, we're talking about spring, and it is a warm, sunny day in Northeast Ohio. Yay! Is it warm for you? Yeah,
1: it's sunny. Yesterday was quite dismal. We're recording this on a Monday, um, and Sunday was very dreary and very rainy, and it was uh, made my mood quite gloomy as well.
0: So I always think about spring. For me, I almost never paid attention to spring until I was a grown-up, I think. I felt like, you know, when I was a kid, it was always rainy, I had to be inside, but now, as a grown-up, because I have children, I love the idea of them being outside instead of cooped up in our houses. Uh, What's your favorite part of spring? So I am definitely a summer person. Summer
1: is my favorite. Um, I really think that anybody who says that summers are not their favorite is lying. Um <laughs> at least if they live here. We lived in North you know, we live in northeast Ohio. So
0: And we're both no- we're both native northeast Ohioans.
1: Yes. Born and raised. Um, you know, I was I've been here my whole life. So I love I do love seeing the signs of spring. To me it's just a segue to summer. But I mostly measure seasons in what I have to wear. And so <laughs> Whenever I get to a point where I'm not putting the winter coat back on, I breathe a gigantic sigh of relief and I'm so excited because I just, I always say that outside is my favorite place in the world um, and I just want to be outside at all times.
0: Plus, you and I both love skirts and warm weather means more beautiful clothing. You know, I do feel like warm weather for artists, I, you and I both, I think, enjoy drawing, though I, would, I wouldn't I would call myself an artist, um, doodling and whatever. But warm weather also for me is a sign that you can draw things, like daffodils are so beautiful to render. A lot of the works in our collection, to me, uh, particularly in our uh, McDowell Gallery, are artists who love warm weather. So our collection includes a lot of northeast ohio artists and like william summer um there's a gartner who's from akron Uh, some of the northeast ohio summer for example i i think because when I was a kid and I know that everyone feels like this about their childhood but there was more snow <laughs> it felt like it was way colder in the winter um, both of us are winter babies and then I think these guys would come out of like Warshavski and all these people have these beautiful bright colors that they use and I do wonder how much of that is because where you are the Great Lakes are Um, it's snow, it can snow until it was snowing last week here so much to me is that these artists are in their location so much of spring is about where you you are and artists noticing these moments and then looking at the color you just said it the light is so there's it's so interesting for somebody um, who's looking at this collection our collection if they're from the region or if they know the region to see that they are really showing you what it feels like to be in ours moment um, and so much of art is about noticing absolutely
1: and especially springtime I think is so fleeting at least here where we live it's a very short season Winter seems to last pretty long and, and summer is so much more intense that spring seems fleeting. So to be able to capture it with an artwork, I think it is a beautiful idea. Do you think of any contemporary work?
0: So I have been on Instagram looking at what artists are showing me about their lives and a lot of them are showing us their process and the things that they're drawing and they're just sort of the moments in their lives and I find that fascinating. Um, And on Pinterest and a lot of those like 34 things to do when you're in social isolation, a lot of people are learning to draw. And you brought up the thing to me that's interesting about spring. I sort of said earlier, I almost never notice spring. I think for a lot of museums, this is when we're getting ready for our busy season usually. You know, summer, camps, all that. And this is the first time in maybe my whole adult life that spring is something that I'm able to really notice. That I am sitting here, you know, and I am thinking about what, like, things I'm noticing. I'm taking, I'm taking, uh, making little drawings, you know, I'm doing all these things. It's kind of a great
1: gift. It is. I I even told myself before all of this, you know, isolation and everything, I told myself that I was going to try to be thankful and notice um, hearing birds outside my window when I woke up and the fact that it was light when I woke up because it's something that when it disappears, it affects me like very deeply. Um, so I told myself that this year I was going to start noticing those things. And I started noticing the birds quite a few weeks ago. Um, and now it's finally light when I wake up. And it's just, I don't know, it's so refreshing to to have that sense of like, oh, things are alive and, and the world is happening, you know. It, and I've seen lots of artists um, point out that, you know, nature is not canceled. I think we may have even mentioned this on the last episode, but so many of these things, like these signs of life around us, artists are so good at noticing those things,
0: the small. They're not small. They are big, but things that we could easily disregard. And time has changed, you know i i was thinking about how i was like we were watching um on youtube you can see these people wandering around places like assisi um you know or uh giza or khufu or whatever and so we were wandering through it and we were watching it and we were watching it for kind of a long time like slow tv <laughs> and then we were sort of like wait are they just gonna walk around town and then we turned it off and i was thinking about how um time has changed and we're seeing time in a way that probably a lot of our generation hadn't until just maybe March 12th. (laughs) And that's a lot of, um, particularly our early collection, a lot of those artists that we were talking about were noticing time. They were noticing the world around them at a different pace. Uh, and, you know, I'm going to segue in a second to our contributor, Reggie Lynch, and she's looking at another Northeast Ohio, um, Charles Birchfeld and, Northeast Ohio artists, I should say. And, um, he probably spent lots more time outside. He probably spent um, thought of time very, very differently than somebody who has to do all the kinds of things multitaskers, smartphone owners do now. So we get to look at this art and think about the world around a spring probably very much like he did. It's kind of a gift. It really is. Um, and I, I,
1: speaking of like, seeing things differently, seeing the world differently, one artwork I really miss from the collection that has to do a lot with spring is the Alma Thomas um, Pond Spring Awakening. And she's not necessarily noticing time differently, but she's looking at the world differently. She does these, I don't know, abstract landscapes, I guess you could say. Um, And ours, like many of hers, is sort of like what you would see flying over the earth if you were a bird. It's almost like a bird's eye view. So she sees things like from the top. Um, And it may be one of my favorite works in the entire collection. And it's so deeply connected to spring. It's just this abstract a collection of brushstrokes, lines, shapes, and colors. It's like this murky pond water, um, but with flashes of warmer colors underneath. Ugh, it's just so beautiful. And because it's right near the doorway, I get to see it fairly often. <laughs> you know, some things if they're back in the corner, I don't walk walk by them very often. But I, I miss her. Um, and, and to think about that connected to this season um, is just such a lovely thought. So I'll be anxious to see that one in person again. It's available on the website, though.
0: <laughs> it is on the website. You know, that makes me think I was reading something somebody said about um, what museums can do now. They can give you things to do. And it does make me think that I haven't, I haven't thought about Pond in a while. But um, something that somebody could do right now is just to, like, mark down all the greens they see of spring you know, just put like, you know, just have like, just have a, because that's sort of what she's doing. She's just has a color, it's sort of colors, splotches of color of the pond and different colors. But you could do something like that. If you don't feel like you could draw a daffodil, you could just do all the yellows that you see.
1: Absolutely. And even as like a photography challenge for yourself um, to, I don't know, pick an area of outdoors and go out every day or every other day and try to snap a photo of something that's a new color or different color. It'd be a really great challenge for children too, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then um, the one that we're going to now switch over to Reggie, uh, you could also do all the different, if you were in a place like the Great Lakes where the weather changes every day, you could record the sound, let's say, or the sense or the smell, pick some sense. I was uh, reading a book about making memories and they talk about the biggest thing to make memories is... The sense, the sense, the built, the sense is what will trigger your memory. Uh, like if you smell chicken soup, and that always reminds you of your grandma or something. Um, but you could do something like that um, of all the different things because we had a terribly wonderful, um, awful storm not too long ago um, in the middle of the night, right? And that's so northeast Ohio to have a crazy, crazy rain thunderstorm in the spring. And, you know, capturing those kinds of things might make this uh, might, ma- might be a great way to get away from the like anxiety and stress of this moment.
1: Definitely. Yeah. The Birchfield will be a great inspiration for that. It's stormy yeah, and springy.
0: <laughs> it is. It's stormy and springy. So to segue, um, we have Reggie Lynch, uh, who will tell you a little bit about our featured artwork this week.
2: singleness of heart, and walk with her laboriously and trustingly, having no other thoughts but how best to penetrate her meaning and remember her instruction. These words from Victorian art critic John Ruskin always come back to me in the spring, and no spring is quite right without a decent thunderstorm. When we selected Charles Birchfield's Spring Thunderstorm for this week's episode, it got me thinking about the portrayal of rain in the visual arts and how tricky that can be. Rain is such a fleeting phenomenon, even in the heaviest of storms, it can be hard to even determine what rain looks like. But here, Birchfield has used strong, almost violent diagonal slashes to represent rain. And he's layered them both behind and in front of the features in the foreground, conveying the sense that this is a real whopper of a downpour. When I first saw this work by Birchfield, I was reminded of a work simply titled Rain from the collection of the Philadelphia Museum of Art it's by a guy who you might be familiar with, Vincent van Gogh. As I started researching these two paintings, I found that not only were the two artists using similar techniques but they were also both bound to specific views out specific windows. When he made this work, van Gogh was institutionalized in the south of France and much of his work from this era depicts this field seen in the painting. Similarly, Birchfield's Spring Thunderstorm likely depicts the view out of his home into his backyard. Although both artists were indoors when they created these works, neither feels cramped or confined. In fact, the sense conveyed is just the opposite. There's a pulsing sense of expansion in both scenes that seems to stretch far beyond the frame. That reminder that nature contains more than what can be seen at our window feels so potent in this current moment of confinement. And the idea that these two artists were able to capture that sense of wonder while stuck inside, well, that gives me a kind of hope that only the arts and mother nature can provide. And with that, I'm all tapped out for the week. Keep checking back with us to hear more about our collection and take another deep dive.
0: I, I love the kind of the thoughts that Reggie had about that scene, about noticing and, you know, thinking about what you see and trying to capture all of that. We were talking about it earlier. Um, and then, you know, capturing things is hard. And we talked a little bit about capturing color. I. I am a completely obsessed with color and pattern. My life is full of color. Are you, a, are you a color person, or do you like to have color only in certain places? No,
1: I am much more neutral, actually. I think I respond more to texture. So, like, the room I'm sitting in right now is my bedroom. I'm recording this in my bedroom because I have an office, but it is an open floor plan, and that is not going to work with my children. So, um, And it is mostly shades of white and gold and wood. But there's lots of texture. So there's like this fluffy sheepskin type of blanket, um, and an embroidered pillow. And so I really love texture. Um, color in my home, I can't really handle. But I love it. It's funny. I love it in artwork and in accessories and things. But in my home, I like a very like neutral, calm palette.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, I'm not, I don't think texture really, I know I was reading some article about how do you make your house more um, cozy during this terrible time? And they were like, add texture. And like, I don't even think about texture. I mean, I guess I have a, we have a black and woven basket and, you know, some stuff, but it's color for me and pattern, 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 pattern. Um, but what, to? but you're right about what you just said. And I was sort of thinking of it you can love artwork quite differently than the interior because, you know, collecting artwork, thinking about artwork, interpreting artwork isn't really about decorating. No. It's about the quality about the artwork. It's about understanding that artwork, which is, I think, one of the things that's hard for people when they come to museums because they're very used to putting things in their house. And then they think of the collection and think we're trying to put things like you would decorate a house. And it's really not. It's about something about the quality of the artist or maybe the artist. Like we're, we're going to listen to this great interview by an artist whose work is very sort of different than other people. She's found her own niche. And that's oftentimes what's so important about artists.
1: Absolutely. There are so many works in our collection and in other museums that I love so much, but I could never live with them they could never be like a permanent part of my surroundings, but I love them. Um, so I think those are you're right, those are two totally different categories. Um, and I just I wanted to point out too that this is a great time to look at that birch field that Reggie was talking about because um it's a work on paper, which means that it's not up all the time. You know, it's a watercolor on paper, so it's a it's fragile to light and humidity and whatnot so even if we have it up at the museum it can only be up for six months at a time and then it's got to take a break for like three years um so it's a great time to look at that piece and investigate lots of things in the collection that would not Beyond view, just because we're trying to protect
0: them. You know, paper is so interesting in that it's very accessible, right? Everybody has paper in their house. Everybody works with paper, but at the same time, people don't realize how um, fragile paper is and how hard it is to work with paper. So we're about to segue um, to our contributor Caitlin Evans, who was inter- who's interviewing a professor from Kent State University, uh, Andrea Myers, who works in paper. And when you look at her stuff, you might think, "Oh, I could do that because I have paper in my house." But then when you really look at yourself stuff and then you try to cut paper It's actually quite hard paper is actually very fragile um, and it's an interesting media to work in because um, it is both very familiar to visitors but then so incredibly hard to do
1: yeah and she's doing it with such control she's ripping it sometimes too it's amazing you'll have to look it up we'll put um, links to her work in the show notes of course
3: Hi all, it's Caitlin. and for today's Shop Talk, I chatted with local artist Andrea Myers. Andrea's artistic practice explores the space between two- and three-dimensionality, hybridizing painting, sculpture, and fiber arts. She is a widely exhibited artist, and also teaches sculpture and expanded media at Kent State University at Stark. You might have seen Andrea's work through our Akron Art Library program or even participated in her collage workshop she led the museum just last year. So sit back and enjoy Andrea Myers' Shop Talk. Hi, I'm Caitlin Evans, educator at the Akron Art Museum, and with me today I have Andrea Myers. Caitlin how are you? Good how are you doing? Doing well thanks. I'm so glad you added us to your day. I know you said your daughter's
4: school schedule is Zoom and your own schedules Mm -hmm. and classes. Yeah there's some there's some you know balancing that we're every day is kind of a new balance. So So, as you know um, our
3: featured artwork for this week's podcast is Charles Birchfield's Spring Thunderstorm. Uh, What are your initial thoughts on this work?
4: Yeah, you know, I hadn't seen this piece before he sent it to me. I was really excited to see it. Um, my initial reaction to it was just, it felt very moody and gestural and energetic. I was also interested in this idea of it conveying the emotion of a storm rather than a, a kind of a literal depiction. And so as I was thinking about that, I was noticing how, or imagining, and I do this a lot in my own work, Kind of um, personifying the landscape but I was imagining these bright yellow flowers as like lightning flowers and then there's this tree on the right that felt like this like big bolt of lightning so it felt soft but really um energized at the same time and then um I like to look at a work first and then read the information and so I was really interested in the fact that it was talking about how he drew a lot of inspiration from his own backyard and that this was his depiction of one of you know a moment with his house and I, I felt like that was really timely to be thinking about how all artists are at home right now and as artists we draw a lot of inspiration from just the everyday and it can be something as simple as looking out your window and
3: yeah, I loved the work you sent me yesterday. I love seeing all the layering and use of painted paper and fabric. Um, my brain just goes a ton of different directions when I connect it to this idea of spring. I would love to hear your thoughts or your interpretation on the idea of the word spring and if there's any relation to your work or practice.
4: It's interesting as an artist to pay attention. I mean, as like just a human too, I mean, especially living in the Midwest where we have these very distinct seasons. And so, um, so when I think of spring, and just our our shifts in season, I think of it as a renewal time. It feels really messy too. <laughs> uh, it's you know it's puddles and mud and and plants awkwardly growing back, um, and also that we're in a sort of hibernation in the winter time, and that our bodies are you know wanting to be outside again and be active and just. Of course, all the seasons affect my art making. I don't know, you know, oftentimes with artists, we're so in it that it's hard to say like, this is why I'm making this, you know? But I I know for a fact that the seasons influence my work for sure one of the pieces I sent you is a piece I made recently, and I'd i been drawing it in my sketchbook for a while, of just like imagining like this h- big human-sized drop, raindrop, is it a raindrop, is it a teardrop, I don't know, but, um, and that it kind of puddles onto the floor, and it's all made of fabric, and that impact of a singular drop, um, to me, uh, that could be a surrogate for a human body is pretty interesting, so it felt like the right moment to make it, and that it can symbolize like spring or rain, but also that it can represent like an emotive action of a tear. Mm-hmm. So I think that answers.
3: <laughs> no, that's perfect. Oh, yeah, I love that uh, perspective on things are growing and it's renewing, but it's also awkward and uncomfortable, yeah. <laughs> just like how we are kind of getting out of this winter lull. and Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, speaking of refreshing perspectives and renewals, I would love to ask you some
4: rather fun questions now, if that's okay. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> so, what is the first thing you do in the morning? Um, well, I—I I mean, the absolute first thing is take the dogs outside. <laughs> but the, my my like main mission in the morning is to make coffee and drink some okay. coffee. That's okay. like I have to do that, and then just like figure out what's you know, especially right now, it's like um, building structure because we've kind of gotten our structure turned upside down or or structureless. So it's trying to set the tone for the day and try our best. And also I love cooking. So like kind of when I'm first waking up in the morning, I'm like, what am I gonna have for dinner? (laughs)
3: Yes. (laughs) I feel so much that I structure my day around food since I know what else is structured around. Yeah. But um, next question, what are your three desert island
4: studio needs? Yeah, This. This is a hard question. For me. <laughs> this is like an existential question for me, <laughs> you know, because I use a lot of different things, but I think at the core of it, if I had to choose, I would probably do like super simple, like a sketchbook and pencils and maybe like a carving knife. So I could like also like just... It's like the survival side of me. Alternatively, like maybe I would bring fabric and thread and needles and so I could do some hand sewing or, but I think for me, like I draw a lot and I um, sketch a lot of my ideas before I make them. So and write. I, I do both. I think they're both really important parts of my practice. So I think if I was stranded and didn't want to go crazy, I'd probably need those things.
3: <laughs> That's a great little list. Yeah. Um, and kind of related, what's your favorite <clears throat> studio tool?
4: So I would say my sewing machine is probably like my favorite tool. Um, and something that I use a lot. And I think of it as um, it's, a, it's a construction tool, but it's also like a drawing implement. So I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm constructing things together, but I'm also putting the gesture of this uh, repetition of, of the sewn line over the surface of my textile pieces. And that, I love that it gives the fabric a lot of dimensionality and tactility. Yeah. I like that idea of
3: um, like Henry Matisse drawing with scissors, but you're Mm -hmm. using your sewing machine.
4: Yeah. And I mean, scissors on my list, I put scissors or sewing machine because cutting, (laughs) cutting things out is a, yeah, it's it's a sculptural um, process to cut. And I love that reference to Matisse. So next question, what is your silver lining during these times? Yeah, this is a, I think this is a really important question. The silver lining is that as artists, we, we have a practice that can help us through hard times and, and why not use that and to help us and, and see what kind of work we can generate from, from this. And um, so I think all of that, you know, just maintaining a sense of gratitude, even though there's um, a lot of um, uncertainty and, and anxiety in the world right now. Well, I'm so glad you're here to hear that you're relying on your practice so much. Yeah, it's like I it's can't wonderful. not do it. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
3: so my last um, sort of series of questions are really quick. They're this or that questions. Okay. So old or new?
4: Oh God. <laughs> yeah, can I preface this with like I'm I'm uh, I don't know what it is about me, but my personality like is really bad about choosing like I don't even know. <laughs> Well, maybe we'll come back to that. Yeah. One. My brain wants to say yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll take it.
3: <laughs> Next one, half full or half empty? Oh, half full
1: or. Nice. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm... you were decisive
4: on that one. Morning or night? I think morning, although I don't think I'm a morning person, but I, th- <laughs> I think like through like having jobs and, and a, a kiddo, And now, you know, dogs, um, it's kind of forced me to be a morning person.
3: (laughs) Fast or slow?
4: Um, I would, I think I would go with slow. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, think slow is more about, um, not rushing things, um, and maybe not forcing things. Right. Uh, You know, I like
3: that. Mm -hmm. And the last one, the (laughs) toughest one, salty Salty or sweet?
4: Um. I think when I was younger, it was totally sweet, but yes. I think as I've gotten older, it's like, like I think I realized I was an adult when I'm like, I like beets. <laughs> boring no but I no, think I'm salty yeah okay <laughs> cool
3: <laughs> lastly if you don't mind just plugging um any upcoming shows I know you said you had uh two up right now and a possible third one and yeah. just where we can find your work
4: and sure yeah well um I have a website it's um andreameyersart.com and my last name is m-y-e-r-s and I'm also on instagram at Art. I have two exhibitions that are currently up but you know they're the close to the public and they they're going to be extended, but one is in um, Hohenstein Ernstall, Germany, which is East Germany near Dresden, and it's a solo exhibition at a textile museum. It's called Neon Speed. And then I have a two-person show with Galen Cheney, who's an amazing painter. And that's at uh, Haggerty Gallery Gallery at the University of Dallas. And that's called Pieced and Painted. I'm represented by Hammond Harkins Gallery in Columbus. And they're doing a virtual online exhibition. I believe it should be launching sometime later this week. And it's called Hashtag From the Studio. And so they're going to have all these works by their artists. And so they're kind of reaching into virtual, virtual realms. Well, that's so lovely to hear that you're still able to produce work and have it shown. And um, yeah.
3: thank you so much for sharing your time and thoughts with us. Andrea, I'm just so happy to have you on Shop Talk. Yeah,
4: I'm so glad you invited me. Thank you so much.
1: Excellent. So um, I hope you enjoyed hearing from Andrea Meyer. She's one of the many artists we're going to feature. We're so thankful to you all for joining us again. This is our second recording in the book. So we are so happy to be doing this and reaching out to you. If you want to reach back out to us, please do give us a call. Our phone number is 330-790-1622 or throw us an email at podcast
0: at akronartmuseum.org. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Relief Podcast from the Akron Art Museum. Comfort and joy for these uncertain times.
2: Relief Podcast is a production of the Akron Art Museum. Today, you heard from staff members Seema Rao, Gina Thomas-McGee, Reggie Lynch, and Caitlin Evans. You we were also joined by special guest artist Andrea Myers. Special thank you to Jordan King, who wrote and performed all the podcast theme music. Until next time, take care and live creative.